Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. The portal giveth, and perhaps the portal taketh away. It certainly appears that's the uh, case here. Uh, You know, it's obviously a very busy weekend we just saw play out for the Georgia Bulldogs, and I think it's sort of one of those things where when you've got all these like little pieces of news popping up here and there, some of it's just rumors, some of it's innuendo, some of it's not quite sure you're exactly sure what it all means. I think it's sort of hard to piece all together. But there is, I think, one obvious narrative that I think is starting to fully form, and I think we can now assume this is true. And I think this means something here for UGA, so I wanted to begin by saying this here today. There is something about college football that I believe has probably changed forever, or at least it's changed for the foreseeable future. And look, the one thing about our sport that we all love is college football shows a great deal of resiliency. Frankly, I don't trust the people who run this sport to run it well. I don't think they could run an HVAC business. Uh, and so I'm not really quite so sure how well they could run you know, college athletics as it is. I'm talking about the uh, you know, top administrators, university presidents sometimes, people who are on these committees and all this kind of stuff. I just don't really trust them very uh, much at all. And yet, no matter what, how listless and rudderless the organization of our sport is, the resiliency of college football is, it always seems to thrive despite the people that run it because the sport is just so good good it's just so entertaining i watched uh, army navy on saturday even a game like that kind of set apart from the rest of the schedule the rest of the sport i'm still eyes glued to that from beginning to end because college football is just so good no matter how sometimes not great the people in charge of all of this at times seem to be perhaps your experience is somewhat similar there on all of that and yet while the sport thrives and while we always seem to find some new way to love whatever a sport this sport evolves into there is no doubt the sport is evolving and we're seeing change take place here and we're learning to process what that change is i'm going to give you an example of that as it relates to georgia in particular the idea that a program like georgia who historically under kirby smart has had like three quarters of its roster as former four and five star players and a lot of these players have you know kind of sat here for a couple of three years they wait their turn they earn their opportunity then perhaps maybe sometimes late in their career they become very important players on some team that's chasing a championship that's been the hallmark of a a coach like Kirby Smart who kind of functions like a true football coach he brings in talented players he develops those talented players then he deploys them and they go out and they win games based on the way that Kirby Smart has kind of managed this program that's what football has been and Kirby Smart sort of represents I I think in some respects sort of a dying breed the last of, of an era I've kind of called him the last true football coach because I don't know that football is going to function much the same way moving forward here just sort of feels like the job of college football coach is kind of becoming something different and one of the ways it's becoming different is the idea that you have these young talented players who are waiting the wings for a couple of years you're developing them to be exactly the kind of player you want them to be I'm just not quite so sure how many of those guys are going to be sticking around in the age of the transfer portal. It's going to be too easy for them to be pitched on the idea of uh, so-and-so is not using you right, but come here and we'll use you better. Or so-and-so is practicing you too hard, come here, we'll take it a little easier on you. I just think there are going to be a lot of players in the future who are susceptible to a message like that and the idea that you bring in young players who are perhaps not quite ready to play and 
you get them ready to play over the course of a period of years and then finally you benefit from the time you've invested in those players that's what college football has been but I think we all need to kind of come to the reckoning with the idea that's not quite what college football is moving forward I'm going to give you one example of this Yazid Haynes has left the Georgia program I'll show you this on Twitter I guess it's rivals who kind of put this out here Adam Freeman I believe is the uh, reporter there on that that Yazid Haynes is entering the transfer portal and I would say of all the names that we've heard go in for Georgia here thus far now we're going to hear more of these coming in for Georgia at some point in time but of all the names we've heard here thus far Haynes may be the one that for Georgia fans right now perhaps ranks as the most disappointing in the respect that I think I think there are a lot of Georgia fans who sort of felt like Haynes had a very bright future at Georgia his overall recruiting profile if you care about things like say the 24-7 composite and things like that he was a 199 ranked player overall and number 27 ranked wide receiver you know this is a guy that I think a lot of folks thought had a very bright future here at UGA but in his freshman season he just wasn't ready yet and and here's the thing to keep in mind that when you see a guy like Haynes leaving I think there's a knee-jerk reaction on the part of some fans to say well Georgia should have used him differently and perhaps he wouldn't have left but there are a couple of things to keep in mind here thing number one is is that the Georgia passing attack back in the 2023 season, which obviously has one more game remaining, but in the 2023 season was perhaps as productive as it has been at any point in time since Kirby Smart's been here and almost any point in time it's been in program history. You'd be hard-pressed to say that Georgia did not have an effective passing attack here this season with Carson back at the helm and the guys that he was throwing to, many of them experienced players, either from other SEC teams or gaining the experience here at Georgia. You'd be hard-pressed to say that Georgia was playing the wrong receiver and there was a greater opportunity for Haynes than there was here this year he was a developmental player being asked to wait his turn and if he had waited his turn perhaps one day he'd have the same kind of success that the more experienced players were having at Georgia but obviously it certainly appears based on this reporting that's not exactly what he wants to do and we can take that down now but the other thing to uh, kind of keep in mind on all of this as well is that when we hear about the very famous successful freshman wide receiver I think we have a tendency to kind of make that be a little bit more of the typical expectation for certain players at that spot. But the truth is the very famous outliers, I think, obscure the fact that wide receivers actually a pretty developmental position overall in college football occasionally have the guys like George Pickens who step in as a freshman and are almost good from the word go Pickens was a very productive player in his first year at Georgia back in 2019 uh, most of the best schools have some example of a freshman receiver who just sort of stepped on the field and was good all you know almost automatically LSU and Alabama they've had their guys like that there as well but that is not the typical case for most freshman receivers. There are only two receivers in the SEC this season who were freshmen in the top 27 overall pass catchers in terms of uh, you know yards per game. There are only two uh, receivers in the top 27 for the entire SEC this year who were freshmen. So that gives you an idea that for the most part, success in the SEC as, as a wide receiver is reserved for guys who have some experience. So the idea that Haynes came to Georgia, did not have success right away, that just sort of puts him in the same category as almost almost all freshman wide receivers who take some time to grow, take some time to develop. That's just what the sport kind of has been. And the impatience, uh, I would say, of guys like that now is one of those things you sort of have to come to grip, uh, grips with. And in fact, I was thinking about this. I had a chance to talk to Brian McClendon, Georgia's wide receivers coach last year in Los Angeles for the national championship game. And boy, I'm going to miss being on site for the national championship game this year. Obviously, all of us are. 
But one of the things that we talked about when I caught up with BMAC, you know, last year was, you know, the role that the receivers had played and the playoff win against Ohio State. What a great performance that was. And the job that McClendon had done getting all of these guys ready to contribute and what Georgia asked from the players at all positions. Georgia just asked a lot from you no matter what position you play. And I think that when you listen to McClendon talk about what the role of receivers at Georgia is, I think it's sort of easy to understand why guys like whether it be Yazid Haynes or other freshmen don't make the immediate impact. A, they don't do that much anywhere across the SEC. And B, especially a place like Georgia, that is just a very difficult thing to do. This is what McClendon said about his receivers last January. We know, man, that, that we're responsible for way more than just catching the football. We're responsible for making sure, man, that, that, that we do our job. And we feel like if we do our job in general, whether it's catching or not, uh, then that'll greatly impact the game. And I feel like, man, we do. We, we, those guys have done a good job of embracing that and understanding that and, and wanting to be one of the pieces on why we go out there and play well. That is not a freshman's job to do what uh, Brian McClendon just said. It's going to be very hard for a guy who was just in high school to be able to do that. That's a little bit more of what a Lad McConkey or Marcus Roseme Jackson is going to be able to do. Or transfers like Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett, who've also played in the SEC, what they're going to be able to do. The kind of responsibility that McClendon wants to give his receivers because what Kirby Smart has is the overall vision of the program. Just going to be very hard for a newcomer to be able to do that. You don't see it much in the SEC overall. And you especially don't see it at a place like Georgia. So in the past, you've hoped you could bring receivers in, develop them slowly over time, and get them ready to play. But in the current age of the transfer portal, you just might not be able to do that quite as much as you used to. But while that's maybe a bad thing about the current direction of the portal, on the flip side, there's also a good thing here too, where I mentioned Ra Ra Thomas, Dominic Lovett off last year's team, or I keep wanting to say last year. I guess we're still in the 2023 season, but uh, you know, on the 2023 team, you know, guys that had played other place in the SEC, I think have been able to make valuable contributions to Georgia. So while Georgia may not hold on as long and as much anymore to some of the young guys who may get a little more impatient, a little faster because of the presence of the transfer portal. Georgia also has a chance to do in 2024 what it did in 2023, which is make its roster better because of the transfer portal there as well. And if experience matters, going out and getting guys who have experienced other places, that's an opportunity that does exist for UGA. Some of you know Michael Jackson, not the obviously famed pop singer, but the receiver for USC. He was in Athens over the weekend. We know this because what he put out on Instagram. I'll show you this real, real quick. Uh, Jackson you know, giving you the... Uh, I guess the uh, dropping the pin there for Athens, Georgia, letting you know that he was on campus. A lot of folks will tell you uh, they like what they've seen from Jackson, highlight films, things like that. That's the kind of dynamic player who could make a difference, but perhaps if he were to come to Georgia, he obviously visited here this weekend. Beyond that, we have a little bit more substantial information as it relates to uh, London Humphreys, a receiver at Vanderbilt. And I mentioned before, there are only two receivers in the SEC this season who were freshmen who were in the top 27 in terms of uh, you know receiving yards per game. Game. one of those was Humphreys this would be for Georgia a pretty big time get overall he took a visit to Georgia and he's speaking on the record but the visit that took place in fact I'll read this to you this coming from Jeff Sintel catching up with a Humphrey saying that he could definitely see himself I'm gonna read the quote in Humphrey's voice in the first person I definitely can see myself there meaning at Georgia just how they operate the people who are there, the coaches who were there. I can 100% see myself in Athens. That's London Humphrey speaking to Dog Nation over the weekend. Now, one of the things that Humphrey's also added in that same story, which you can read at dognation.com, is that obviously Carson Beck's ultimate decision of does he come back, does he stay? By the way, more on that in a moment. Uh, 
that's going to have an impact on Humphrey's choice, as you imagine that it would. But overall, if George is losing guys like Zed Haynes, who haven't played here very much yet, but perhaps gaining a guy like London Humphreys, you see kind of how the portal can work against and work for Georgia here in this spot. Because I got to tell you, Humphreys is what Georgia ought to be seeking after. Someone who's had experience in the SEC. Obviously, Vanderbilt, not a very good team, but Humphreys had a good year on this bad team going up against the kind of teams that Georgia wants its receivers to be able to have success with and that's what Humphreys has done uh here in the SEC as a freshman receiver there for Vanderbilt and you kind of look a little deeper at this I saw where I'm not saying you should put a whole lot of you know stock and faith in these type of ranking type things but I saw on the list of like the top 20 available transfers from like 24-7 sports they had Humphreys in at number six on this list, far ahead of a guy like Julian Fleming, who perhaps is a little bit more famous to Georgia fans who follow recruiting very closely, the former five-star who went to Ohio State, who actually had some you know good catches against Georgia in the Peach Bowl at the end of the 2022 season, and who also, I guess, visited Nebraska here this weekend. 24-7 actually ranks uh, Humphreys well ahead of Julian Fleming there on that list. So just something to sort of keep in mind here is that Georgia may be losing a talented and inexperienced player in Zene Haynes, but the trade-off for that is they may get a chance to add a more experienced player who had success in the SEC right away. When you look at what has worked for Georgia, you know, leaning on and utilizing guys who've done it before, who have had that experience, a developmental position like wide receiver. One of the reasons why Georgia had so much success through the air here in 2023 is because it had a good quarterback, Carson Beck, throwing to receivers like Rosemary Jackson and McConkey when he was healthy and uh, Ra Ra and, and, and Dominic Lovett, guys who had that SEC experience. So let's all kind of make peace with the fact that the transfer portal is going to take away your opportunity to watch how well some young players can develop in your program, but it also gives you the chance to go out and reach for the quick fix. Someone who got experience on someone else's dime and someone else's program who can come in and perhaps contribute for you right away. It's the good and the bad of the transfer portal. And this weekend, Georgia perhaps experienced both sides of that. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We are happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us live on video. We start 10 a.m. across all video platforms, even earlier than that, 9.45 on dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. We call that our first and 15, a little extra content, me taking your comments as we reflect on everything going on with Georgia football. It's our way of saying thank you for making our Dog Nation platform a kind of our sort of own platform here on our native platform if you want to use big tech language uh, such a uh, successful rollout for us over the last couple of years we certainly appreciate that and however however you join us we're thankful to have you there on that uh, our podcast there as well across all platforms and we had a little bit of a glitch last week on the apple podcast it seems like that's kind of worked itself out always know this we are here every day we do not miss we do not miss we have you know a couple of days coming up uh in late december here we're gonna have to do something a little bit different because of the bowl schedule and things like that but it will give you plenty of advance notice on that and we'll still have shows for you on those days there as well if if our show does not show up in your feed something very very weird has happened i've been doing this show for eight years i've had one sick day the entire time i've been doing this we don't miss the show we don't we don't miss the show so if the show doesn't show up in your feed that means something weird has happened so you can pop over to another feed 
and uh, get that if you somehow missed it, if you're obviously willing to do that. And we'll see if we can get that all that you know straightened out for you the next day. But if, if the show doesn't show up, something weird happened on their end, not our end, because we never, ever, ever miss a show. Radio, Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref. Uh, obviously, all the podcast platforms there as well. Just really, really thanks to have all of you here for all of that here today. And by the way, a reminder of our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia make the uh, show possible here today. Energy efficient windows and doors. Cold and rainy here this weekend. I want all that junk sting on the outside of the house. That's where the energy efficient windows from Pella Window and Door of Georgia can really provide a great service because they keep the outside where it's supposed to be. That means they keep the inside of your home feeling toasty and warm as it should. And of course, making it look good on the outside. We were driving somewhere yesterday. Uh, my daughter had a gymnastics event. By the way, congratulations to her team, state champs in her classification of like eight-year-old gymnastics, whatever, for what it's worth. But uh, we were driving to the event yesterday, and we drove by a neighborhood, a uh, home being built. My son pointed out, said, Daddy, look, there's Pella Windows. I was like, wow, boy, you can tell they you know, care about great craftsmanship and uh, tremendous you know, uh, building materials when a, a brand-new home like that's going up, and Pella Windows are going right there on that. So that is a great thing to be able to see. And it's time for you to make the same decision. Have a no-pressure consultation with one of the Pella experts uh, you can do it virtually they'll come see you in your house you can go see them at the experience center there in duluth and you can talk about all the installation options the entire product line financing options if necessary and great savings too because between now and the end of the month december 31st you can get 10 percent off your entire project or no payments no interest for 12 months plus an additional 500 dollars off your project so Reach out to them. Give them a call, 678-638-1429. That's 678-638-1429. Or visit PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation for more on all of that. All right, we've got John Stinchcomb coming up in a moment. John, last week, spending some time with Coach Rick as Mark Rick went to the College Football Hall of Fame out there in Las Vegas. So that's a fun experience, and John will be on the show today. We'll get into a lot with John, including one of the issues I want to get into for some of the Georgia players on the roster, not contemplating transfers, but deciding, you know, is it draft time for me? Do I come back to improve my draft status for the upcoming 2025 draft? Uh, John obviously know, knows what it's like to be an NFL draft pick, so he'll give us some more insight on that coming up in just a moment. Prior to that, though, I want to go around the doghouse, and I want to give a shout-out here to a couple of Georgia players who had some nice uh, honors thrown their way. First of all, Lad McConkie won the Werfel Award here, which kind of combines on-field success with community service. service. So good to see uh, McConkie honored that way, and obviously Lad's one of those guys we're watching very closely to see you know what his college decision is going to be for next year his next football move is going to be but uh congratulations to lad for winning the werfel award here this weekend and for brock bowers who won the Mackey award for the second time and as dog nation pointed out here we'll show you this on the screen becoming the first ever tight end to be a two-time winner of the john Mackey award now what's funny is in his freshman season he wasn't even a finalist for the Mackey Award. What do you have, like 14 touchdowns that year? You can make a case that the most productive year Bowers had overall at Georgia was his freshman season. And the, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to call them dopes, but the people who, who do the Mackey Award stuff didn't even have him as one of the finalists for the award. So really, I mean, Brock should have probably won the Mackey Award three times. But as it stands right now, no one has ever won it twice and uh brock obviously got that done and what i find to be kind of interesting here is i wanted to spend a minute or two talking about this is there clearly seems to be proper appreciation now and i think this has been true for dog nation for quite some time but there seems to be proper appreciation in place for just how good brock bowers is that what we have seen play out and i do believe 
for all intents and purposes, it's over. We may see some of him in the Orange Bowl, but given the fact that he's been a little bit banged up, we may not see much of him. We may not see him healthy enough to play at all. That's just at least a real possibility you have to consider here. But what we have seen is one of the greatest Georgia careers of all time. I think you can make a pretty strong case that, you know, for me, Herschel Walker is the best player in Georgia program history because I believe that Herschel Walker is the best player in college football history. I think there's been an attempt to kind of erase Walker's football legacy, but around here, we're obviously not going to do that. We're going to recognize him as what he is, greatest college football player of all time. And so, therefore, stands to reason if you're the best player ever you'd also be the best Georgia player ever that's what I believe that Walker is but I think it's pretty easy to make the case that Bowers on the basis of bringing home the Mackey again the fact that he basically functioned like a wide receiver while he was here at Georgia I think you can make a case that that Bowers may be the second best Georgia player of all time perhaps surpassing some of the ancient names like Charlie Trippy, who I have great respect for. My grandfathers both used to tell me about you know, the exploits of Trippy. so that's someone whose history I'm pretty well acquainted with, former number one overall pick. I believe that Bowers, though, may be surpassing that. Frank Singwich won the Heisman Trophy in 1942. Once again, that's a legacy that speaks for itself, but I believe Bowers may be a guy whose own history at Georgia, two national championships, two major national awards, I believe that's perhaps surpassed the Frank Sequich era there as well, Georgia's other Heisman Trophy winner to go along with Herschel. And then when you get to more contemporary names like the the A.J. Greens, the Champ Baileys, the Nick Chubbs, the David Pollocks, those are all very tough legacies to supersede. But I believe in this case, if you're really forced to kind of do the ranking, I think that Bowers probably gets the nod. This was a historic career that we saw play out at Georgia. I would rank him certainly at, at, before the season began. We put him on our Mount Rushmore of all-time great Georgia players, and now he may have the number two spot all to himself, which is no easy feat. And what's cool about Brock is is that we seem to know this from the word go. You know, go back to a game we talked about last week, a very pivotal game for Georgia against Clemson in 2021 when the dogs had a lot to prove there that day. That was Kirby Smart's famous, you're either elite or you're not speech on TV after that, that Georgia wanted to prove that it was elite. And what did it lean on offensively there that, there that day? Brock Bowers playing in his first game as a Georgia Bulldog was targeted over and over and over again, far more than anybody else was. It seems like Georgia already had a pretty strong idea of exactly how good Brock could be. In fact, at the end of the 2021 season, Kirby Smart talked about that, what he saw from Brock as a freshman that gave him an idea of the fact this was a guy that you would essentially build an offense around almost from the word go as Brock began his Georgia career and as a little bit of a retrospective as he wins the John Mackey Award again. Let's hear Kirby Smart from the end of the 2021 season on all of that. It's rare to me to see a tight end and, uh, and, and, and do the things he's done uh, as a freshman. I think we're going to see it more and more with these kids coming mid-year because you know it helped Brock to get here and get started like he did and get that, uh, that time under his belt. And uh, just no moment's been too big for him. I mean, he's... I mean, going back to the Clemson game, it was just like another game to him. And we knew from that game when he started out catching it, running after the catch, I mean, he makes plays that um, this guy's going to be a weapon. But I'm try- I can't think of any, you know, been some really, really talented freshmen in, uh, in our conference. But um, just at that position, it's kind of unique. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty wild conversation to be having back in 2021. How many freshmen had ever been better than Brock Bowers? Kirby's saying, hey, hard to, you know, even give you a whole long list of names of guys who've done more as a freshman than what Bowers was able to do. And then this past summer, going into what looks to be Brock's final year in a Georgia uniform, kind of a funny interview with Greg McElroy and Cole Kubelik. They were talking about all the various things that Bowers is capable of, and Kirby in kind of a relaxed summer mode, more than happy to make it be known that Bowers is a player unlike almost any other you could ever coach and certainly any that Kirby Smart has coached once again kind of accentuating just how talented Brock is overall this is Kirby from the summer how much more can we see from Brock Bowers this year how much how many more different things can he do for your football team? as many times he can touch the ball he needs to touch it he is a special play him on, special de- play him on player. defense hey I could do it man he could play it I guarantee you that <laughs> well when I talked to him before I had you guys this year he said you know I have lined up at tailback yeah he worked at tailback because we didn't have any backs, and we took about a week-long camp deal and worked him at tailback in case we needed him. <laughs> the guy's ridiculous. He's, he's a good player, he's man. I mean, listen, when you hear Kirby Smart talk there, you're just reminded of, look, someone like me, I'm sort of a big, loud guy, loud opinions, probably exaggerating things from time to time, don't mean to. Sometimes maybe you can't help it. You put me in front of a microphone, I get even louder. So there's a tendency to want to sort of like – hype up everything beyond what it deserves especially when it comes to georgia football it's a fun topic a lot of good players it's easy to make everybody the next big this the next that whatever but there are some guys that just sort of put themselves in a separate category and the point of all this is is to take time to appreciate the fact that brock bowers on a team filled with great players and filled with tremendous future uh you know stars in the nfl and you know guys are going to be very high draft picks and all kinds of stuff like that Bowers is sort of unlike anything else. This this really was one of the greatest careers that a program that's been playing football since night eight, I should say since 1892 has ever seen put together. The Bowers is one of the greatest dogs ever, arguably the greatest tight end in college football history, and a guy who we think is going to be one of the top players in the NFL for a long time to come there as well. Back-to-back winner of the John Mackey Award, even though this year he dealt with some injuries. A very deserving honor for one of college football's all-time greats, Brock Bowers. Kind of a cool thing to celebrate here as a part of Around the Doghouse. And we're glad to have you on our program here today. Of course, before we're done, in addition to the uh, you know the talk of the Georgia players who considering transferring or players are taking their transfer visit there are also big names across the rest of college football we're also taking those uh visits there as well and how does this perhaps impact georgia we'll cover some of that ground here before our show is done but for now the legacy of brock bowers what's next for some georgia players as they contemplate big decisions and everything else in between let's cover all of that ground here right now with john stinchcomb as a part of a marlowe's tavern insider update From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. John, there's so much I want to talk to you about. We're always happy to have you as a part of our program uh, each and every week on our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. I do have to ask you real quick, though, before we get into the topics at hand, your trip to Las Vegas out there to honor the career of Mark Rick as he goes into the College Football Hall of Fame. What was that like for you? And I guess if you don't mind, just giving us a couple of takeaways from your appearance out there. So nice to know that you were you know, representing so many Georgia fans and former Georgia players, I'm sure that would love to have been there, you along with some of your former teammates out there there for that. What was that experience like? It was tremendous. They did a great job of recognizing all the players and coaches. Lad McConkey was out there um, for the Campbell Trophy. He was one of the finalists recognized. You know, was there 16 players? 
So Georgia was well represented. Uh, we've got a number of guys already in the Hall of Fame, Scott Warner and Kevin Butler and uh, Matt, my brother. Uh, so so they were all out there. And I, I felt like Coach Rick was very appreciative of, uh, you know, the group of us that were able to go. And, you know, he's just such a tremendous representation of the University of Georgia and what it stands for and the impact that he's had on our school and really college football as a whole um it was it was a great occasion glad i could be there so i want to move on to this speaking of like history and you've obviously been you know just sort of dripped in college football history over the course of the last few days so someone like me i sort of hype up everything right i'm a big pro wrestling fan so everything's the biggest ever the greatest ever that's just kind of the way my personality works i, I certainly get that probably a little bit of a tendency to exaggerate from time to time don't mean to that's just sort of the way it all goes but in the case of Brock Bowers, I do think it's really important to, to talk about the kind of career that's put together. To me, this is probably the second greatest player in program history. I believe that Herschel Walker is number one. I believe that Brock Bowers is probably number two, which is a major statement to make for a program like Georgia, who's had as much success as it has had since 1892 when the season, when, when this program, you know, kind of first began playing football. I think you can also make a case that legitimately Brock Bowers might ought to be considered the greatest tight end in the history of college football there as well. Like, where do you kind of, you know, obviously we, we're not going to talk about every, you know, tight end that's ever played, that'd take too long, but where do you kind of catalog the career of Bowers if it is indeed done, if he does move on to the NFL, which I expect that he will? Like, what kind of rarefied air do you put the Bowers career in after he wins the John Mackey Award again? Oh, and he's one of the most elite to ever play the game uh, in college football. So, for a position that's a little bit of a hybrid, you know, it's, part offensive line, part wide receiver, and for him to excel in both phases of those games um, is a testament to how truly special he is. I'll, I'll defer to guys like Ben Watson who have said with unquestionably that uh, Brock is one of the very best to ever do it. And you're talking about one who, <laughs> who did it at a very high level, both collegiately and professionally. And, um, if you're looking at that Mount Rushmore of Georgia players, uh, Brock belongs up there because of the impact that he's had and, and just the special nature, the elite ability that he's brought to the position. So uh, I, I don't, I don't think it's hyperbole. <laughs> I know I, I think you're kind of painting this picture that it could be a little extra hype with Brock. It's not. I mean, it's hard earned and. He's one of the very best to ever do it. Yeah, for me, I mean, I guess you're trying to, like, figure out a way to, like, sort of properly chronicle this. You know, you think about where, like, Kyle Pitts was drafted. You know, that's maybe the kind of thing that Bowers is chasing come April. You know, can he be drafted as high as Pitts was? If you think about some of the other more, you know, certainly, you know, very productive tight ends that have come through, you know, in, in college football. There have been some good ones, obviously. But I think the Bowers numbers, you know, are going to stack up pretty well against almost anybody there on that. And ultimately for me, John, it kind of comes down to – that if you judged Bowers only as a wide receiver, forget the fact that you know he functioned very well as a tight end for Georgia, you know sometimes playing the traditional role of being a blocker and things like that. But if you judged him as a wide receiver against other wide receivers, you know he was in the conversation for the Blitnikoff Award here this year. You know he, I think with a full season of productivity, you know go back and look what he did as a freshman in 2021, what he could have done here this year. I think if you only judged him against other wide receivers, he would still be 
uh, as prolific as anybody. You know, I, I think that putting him in a category of like Marvin Harrison Jr. or you know some of these guys, you know, who who've you know obviously been dominating the wide receiver position. You know, I think that comparing Bowers only to those guys, I think Bowers still does pretty well, which is an unheard of thing to be able to say about a tight end. Yeah, and, and it's the way football has gone over these past few years. But that is, if you're a defensive coordinator, you're saying the number one passing threat from this Georgia offense is Brock Bowers. And that's with Lad McConkey, who I've got a great deal of respect for and the emergence of guys like Marcus Rosamy Jack Saint and Dylan Bell and, and some of the others, but the number one passing threat out of this offense is, is Brock Bowers, and um, it's similar to the way George Kittle is used in San Francisco, a guy that's willing and able as a blocker, but um, as a receiver can really hold his own with some of the very best out there, and that's the same vein that Brock has been used and, and the skill set that he possesses. So, um, you know, it, it's one of those guys that is willing and able to do both and excels at both, and specifically as a receiver, has, uh, has made himself into one of the very best threats that an offense can provide against the defense. I think that's exactly right. One of the things I was talking about as, as well before you join us here today is it seems like we're having to make peace with what the transfer portal is. You know, the idea you go out and bring in a player like, say, Zed Haynes, a wide receiver who I think is talented. But, you know, the SEC is not a place where freshman receivers typically thrive. There are only a couple of receivers, almost like the top 30 this year in terms of, you know, uh, you know, production yards per game who are freshmen. This is just not a freshman league for wide receivers necessarily. And so Haynes coming to Georgia, spent some time developing here this year, but obviously – you know, there's going to be a little bit of restlessness and impatience when you do have the chance to bolt somewhere else, especially if someone somewhere is telling you you can do better somewhere else. So Georgia sort of loses out on Haynes. I think this means that moving forward, you know, the idea that you bring in talented, you know, potentially elite level prospects and kind of expecting them to wait for a long time. I'm not quite so sure how much of that's still going to be left over in college football moving forward for, for a place like Georgia. But on the flip side of that, you also have a chance to host a receiver like London Humphreys, who was a very talented freshman in this league this year, pretty rare find, and a guy that kind of fits the bill of what Rob Rod Thomas and Dominic Lovett provided for you uh, here during this 2023 season, which were guys with SEC experience who lended that experience to you and what I think ended up being about as productive of wide receiver core as Georgia perhaps has ever had, that – you're kind of just sort of getting used to all of this now where you're going to lose some guys in the portal that you don't want to, but you do seemingly have a chance every year to make your roster a little bit better. You can't remake your roster completely with the transfer portal. No one's going to. But, boy, you sure can spice it up with a, a little receiver here or a little bit of a defensive lineman there or something along those lines. And I think that's the thing we're all kind of processing right now, John. Do you agree? Absolutely. And I still am trying to wrap my head around it as you look at the – SEC, and I'm not exactly sure what the average number of transfer portal entries is, but it's probably somewhere around 12 per team, which is you know, almost staggering to consider uh, if you have 85 scholarship athletes that you've got double digits that are looking to possibly head elsewhere. So the recruitment period as a coach not only extends to, you know, high school players, but now your own team, as well as evaluating and seeing what's available um, and what your needs are on a constant basis. So 
the ask of, of Coach Smart and his staff, as well as every other one out there in the country, has just been multiplied exponentially. Um, and, and there is opportunity. You've got guys. Luckily, uh, you know, we're, we're an alpha predator when it comes to uh, college football. Uh, but for other programs, uh, you, you almost become feeder programs as Guys like Humphreys is a great example. Uh, he's been able to cultivate his skills over a number of years and now is looking for better opportunities. And, you know, for a team like Georgia, it's, well, uh, we might lose players that have potential, but they haven't been, for the most part, a proven commodity. There are exceptions. A.D. Mitchell comes to mind last year, but we're able to kind of pick and choose from some more established uh, players across the country. You've listed a couple already. Rah, rah, and love it. Last year, Ty Key, who was coming off a, um, you know, wasn't he a, a freshman all-conference player at West Virginia when, when he entered the portal? And it took him a couple of years to kind of establish yeah. himself in this Georgia defense. But Georgia is one of the – top dogs that kind of pick and choose from the players that have already proven to be pretty effective at this level. No, I think that's exactly right. And, you know, you go back and look at a year ago, you know, it's late in the portal process. You lose Barry Alexander, USC. A.D. Mitchell goes to Texas. You know, it's a reminder that, you know, we're we're probably bracing for kind of a rough news cycle at some point in time where you do lose a player like that that you're really hoping to build around for next year. I mean – you know, Connor Riley mentioned on our show last week about some of the rumors around Julian Humphrey or something along those lines that that some of that stuff is out there right now where a player that whether it be Humphrey or ends up being somebody else or maybe ends up being Humphrey plus somebody else. You know, this idea that that you probably can't go through all of this totally unscathed and a player that you're really depending on that you're hopeful to maybe even start next year. Maybe he decides that the grass is greener somewhere else, either because of NIL or, or something like that. That that you probably can't, um, you, know, you, you you probably can't uh, get through all of this without something like that impacting you here a little bit too. Yeah, we've seen it, we felt it. I think we're just hoping that it's minimized. And I think Coach Smart and and his staff has done such an incredible job of loading and reloading and developing. And that's its own recruiter. I also think that the collectives play a big part in this. And, and you look at a guy like Bear, uh, I think a major contributing factor was marketability and what he could do um, from a financial standpoint off the field. And there's just so many factors that are playing into these decisions. Um, it's kind of difficult to pinpoint exactly the right uh, recipe, if you will, as to what retention looks like and recruitment um, of your own team, but also all those that are that are available across the country. So I want to talk to you more about coming up in a moment, some of the guys who are not transferring, but maybe thinking about the NFL draft as someone who obviously went through the draft process, what that sort of means for you. Prior to that, though, let's also remind people this is our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with John Stinchcomb here on the uh, program right now. And, of course, Marlowe's Tavern, something we've been fortunate enough to be able to tell you about for a number of years there, is the great offer they have for you when it comes to this holiday time of year. There are a lot of folks who are sort of hard to buy for, right? It's like they either say they don't need anything or you try to get them something you don't really fit, especially for guys. It seems like that's a really hard thing to do. 
Well, I don't know anybody who doesn't love delicious chef-inspired food and those wonderful craft cocktails, the likes of which you get there at Marlowe's Tavern. So why not give the gift of Marlowe's Tavern here during this holiday season? Something we've told you about before and something we're happy to celebrate with you about again. In fact, right now, when you buy a $100 Marlowe's Tavern gift card, you're going to get a bonus $25 gift card, which you could maybe use in yourself, or you can certainly add extra value to that gift card by getting the bonus gifted $25 gift card going on top of the $100 gift card there as well. So it's a great chance to get a great holiday gift that you know is going to fit and you know that person is going to love because who doesn't love the great food and the great beverages that the likes of which you enjoy at Marlowe's Tavern and you get a great bonus on top of that at a time when seemingly everything seems to have less value than it used to have how about Marlowe's Tavern giving you even more value with a $25 gift card as a special bonus when you buy a $100 gift card here right now check out Marlowe's Tavern.com for a lot more on that so John you went through the draft process. You obviously went on to a very successful career. You won a Super Bowl with the New Orleans Saints. So I think that you have tremendous insight into what a lot of Georgia players are dealing with here right now, where you know Javon Bullard put out the Bullard put out the very cryptic uh, tweet here this week, mm-hmm. the, the bulldog emoji. Does that mean he's returning? A lot of Georgia fans hope that's the case. There's rumor mill out there that well, maybe Lad McConkey might consider coming back if Carson Beck comes back. And by the way, what is Carson Beck going to do? Is he perhaps going to return with the thought of maybe being a first round pick in the 2025 draft? Kind of maybe just on the outside of that kind of draft threshold here right now. We know that Cedric Von Prond Granger's Georgia career is ending as expected. He's uh, entering the Senior Bowl. That means he's done uh there at georgia and obviously we wish him well there on all of that you know just let me start off broad here maybe we'll narrow it down after that you know what's your current vision of the landscape around who might come back and who might not and exactly what this process is like as they make those decisions yeah well, well tell you what's a lot different a lot different in the 20 years it's been since i was preparing for the nfl draft is the x factor of these collectives and the fact that there are some players that might be looking at a pay cut if they do decide to go to the NFL. That's a mind-blowing circumstance to even consider, but a reality for a number of these players. They're they're looking at it as, you know, league minimum is $750,000. Incredible as, as an NFL rookie, but with these NIL deals, uh, they've had opportunities to make six and seven figures, some of these players. So for a guy like Carson, who his stock has certainly increased throughout this season, his performance has, has predicated that. Uh, but could he come back, be compensated uh, from third parties, who I'm sure are just crazy about his name, image, and likeness, yeah. uh, but also have the opportunity to increase his stock that might be an enticing uh, consideration that he's making. So I think there's a number of guys, uh, not just limited to on this Georgia roster, that are looking at it going, this is a pretty unique opportunity that, that I find myself in. There's still some unfinished business. Uh, you know, This year obviously won't provide an opportunity to finish with an, another national championship. So could I come back and, and – uh, would that be a factor? Can I can I make enough NIL money to, to make it make sense to stick around another year? And can I develop my skill set? So there's three different factors that are pl- at play for 
the consideration of coming back. And, you know, for a number of guys, that they weigh that equation and, and fill in those numbers and say it's time. It's time for me to, to try to make that jump. And with the University of Georgia and the way that we've recruited and developed players, it's not like other teams where you have, you know, five or six possible NFL potential players with rosters that we have, it's on an annual basis. You're looking at double-digit players that could potentially uh, be in the NFL next year. And what a wonderful problem to have, but it's certainly something that uh, I'm sure our staff really stays on top of, trying to gauge where everyone's at, what they're looking at, where their draft status will potentially be, and, and what a package might look like to bring them back. Yeah, because, I mean, I, th- I just think that any conversation about Georgia, you know, kind of being right back in the hunt for next year's national championship and the sort of preseason ranking that would lead you to believe that Georgia's more than just a potential playoff team and a 12-team playoff, but actually a team that has a chance to really make some noise in 2024, much the same way it did in 2021 and 2022 and almost did in 2023. To me, that sort of begins with, is Carson Beck coming back and is Ladd McConkey coming back? And... You know, I, I just think that that if you got that quarterback receiver duo to come back, you know, boy, whether it's some sort of NIL type thing or if it's just the fact that, you know, they believe that their draft status in terms of the kind of money they could make could be enhanced by one more year of showing what they're all about. You know, boy, that lays the foundation and the groundwork for the entire offseason conversation. At least I think that it does. Do you agree? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and, and you're talking about two of the – what has become cornerstones of this offense, and I think there's some reality to the possibility that both could be coming back, which you know, I'm not sure that was the case not too long ago, but it is certainly where we find ourselves. I think both guys have you know, very legitimate claims to an NFL future career, and now it's a matter of you know, do they feel like there's some unfinished business and can the opportunity to return uh, be made worth their while? And I think the answer there is yes. So uh, from I don't have a lot of inside scoop for either player, but my yeah. understanding is both are in very strong considerations of, of coming back. John, that is great stuff. We appreciate that. We'll report that, that you confirm that they are indeed returning. So, John, we'll give you credit for that when we blast that all over <laughs> social media. Here we go. <laughs> In all seriousness, John, thank you so much. Always a great conversation. Your insight onto these dogs, always terrific. We were happy to have you out there representing all of Dog Nation with Coach Rick uh, last week in Las Vegas. By the way, did you have a good time? Did you get yourself a good meal? Uh, well, you know, good experience there in Vegas overall? I guess I should ask that. I certainly did. Yeah, I got to eat some good food. I didn't lose money, so that's always a win. Always you know, good. Itself. And uh, just to connect with some former teammates uh, and spend a couple days out there. Uh, with them has was a great time so that's always good, good john good time all the way around that is great to hear uh good to have you on the show we'll look forward to doing it soon john you enjoy this christmas season we'll talk very soon appreciate it ba go dogs go dogs let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through love john stinchcomb love that conversation now john brings up something that's kind of like bouncing around in my head here a little bit So when you think about the future of NIL, we obviously all know that every program 
is trying to raise as much money as they can because if you could get one of these tweener draft picks to come back on the basis of a little bit of an nil deal of course you'd sort of want to do that right well of, of, of course you would an nfl player staying on your roster everybody benefits from that of course that's what you want to do and so every program is trying to raise more nil dollars to give them more flexibility to to make these kind of roster decisions of hey can we get so and so to stay if we offer some money well let's raise the money in order to be able to do that but the other reality of the nil age in which we live in is is that while everyone's trying to raise as much nil money as they can eventually there's a ceiling in what you're able to raise because i don't know if you've noticed this but you know life is getting more expensive and you know even for rich people when you know things cost three times more than they used to uh you know the idea i've got a lot of money to sort of give to big state you sometimes that kind of goes down a little bit and so there is a finite amount of money that you're capable of raising and this is where i think we're heading next and this is not super pleasant to talk about but it's the idea of okay well i've raised all i can raise and so therefore my nil advantage comes to how i allocate that money and i think a lot of us like the idea of hey you know if you come to georgia get a chance to cash in and georgia's gonna do nil the right way it's gonna pay the guys who've kind of been here and sort of earned it but when you give a lot of money sort of spread out across your roster like that understanding that there's a finite amount of money to raise that that can be raised when you give kind of a finite amount of money like or or, or should say when you spread it out across the entirety of the roster what you run the risk of is not having enough money for the sort of big ticket items you'd like to buy think about Pareto's law 80 20 principle things like that you know if you really want to make the most impactful nil type decisions you're probably giving about 80 percent of your available nil funds to a small number of players on your roster because those are the impactful guys those are the bidding war guys and they almost always play premium position quarterback edge rusher you know wide receiver offensive tackle you know everything that sort of stems from the quarterback those kind of become the premium positions in sports stopping quarterbacks helping quarterbacks on the offensive side so this to me is the future of nil we don't like the idea of that telling player x i'm sorry we can't pay you because we got to give the money we would have given you to player y because he's just worth more money in the open market it's kind of gross to talk about but it's also you know just sort of a free market principle at work here that we're likely to see not just at georgia but across all of college football kind of a winnowing of who's even getting any nil to speak of whatsoever because you can't give you know player over here you know two million dollars and then give player over here two million there's just only so many millions of dollars to go around here that eventually you raise all you can raise and then you make tough hard choices about how you allocate that money and the people who allocate their funds the best towards the positions that impact the field the most those are going to probably end up being the winners when it comes to nil that is just the reality of the situation now let's get ready to go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean remind you what a great experience is going to be april of 2024 on board allure of the seas for the next iteration of the dog nation cruise and i hear from people all the time it seems like april's kind of a long way away but it's actually not quite as long away as you might think in fact we're almost the new year where all of a sudden we're not saying next year anymore we're saying hey it's just a few months away and that's kind of where we are on this year right now so as you're making your plans for the upcoming year i really believe this is kind of a free aside that when you're thinking about what your big rocks gonna be for the upcoming year planning trips and vacation and things like that are just a really important thing about setting the stage for the year that we're going to prioritize having fun we're going to prioritize enjoying ourselves and we're going to work hard around all of that but one of the most important decisions you can make to begin a new year 
is the fund the, the fun that you're going to be able to have and so we think that the dog nation cruise ought to be on that list for you so check out royaldogs.com that's a website put together by our friend jessica slater great travel agent uh royal caribbean believes that a great royal caribbean cruise vacation made even better when you have a great travel agent helping you out so jessica royaldogs.com that's the website she's put together you can also give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 or you can find her email jay slater at dreamvacations.com that's jay slater at dreamvacations.com it's bigger and better than it's ever been before we want you there for it the dog nation cruise coming up april of 2024 on board allure of the sea is going to nassau on the bahamas in perfect day coco k all right let's go through a couple of stories here for a moment including some sad sad stuff to get to here in a second but happier stuff prior to that so on saturday night we saw Jaden daniels win the heisman trophy for lsu i was really happy for daniels on this he had a terrific season and i like this for a few reasons a if the heisman trophy is going to be the true best player in college football which almost never is if it was brock bowers would have gotten more consideration do you realize carson beck wasn't even the top 10 which is i think it's kind of crazy uh but you know whatever um but the point is is that daniel's winning if you want the heisman trophy to be for the best player in college football i think you've got to broaden this award out beyond what it has traditionally been which has kind of been sort of an award for best player on best team if that becomes the template for the heisman year after year then a lot of very deserving winners or very deserving candidates are just not going to get strong consideration and obviously i'm a georgia guy so if there's a chance to make the argument for the georgia player of course i'm going to want to do it because as we say a lot around here if we don't who will but i'm also in favor of unorthodox heisman decisions like a couple of years ago we pushed jordan davis now we obviously are sort of you know homers for jd of of course so there's you know clearly a an emotional opportunity to kind of push him there on that but beyond that i think a defensive lineman ought to be able to win this award i think a a non-quarterback you know it used to be that running backs win this all the time i think a non-quarterback or a non-running back a non-star skill position player ought to be able to win this award so if there's a chance to favor an unorthodox choice i think it's good for the heisman to do that and daniels in some respects sort of represents that because he was a quarterback that was on a team that lost three times but Jaden daniels doesn't play defense the the lsu defense was terrible uh and daniels had nothing to do with the uh, the horrible lsu defense Uh, you judge him on his own merits and he essentially gave you a season of a great running back plus a great quarterback that's what he did just given that overall profile how could he not be the heisman quarterback plus if you really want to watch this stuff closely go back and look at bo nick's season how many of his you know passing yards were compiled on very short throws more than you probably realize if you weren't watching those oregon games michael Penix was pretty good in the pac 12 title game but for two months prior to that Penix was nowhere near as good as he had been so in the overall comparison of quarterbacks I think that Daniels far outshines either Knicks or Penix, the other two quarterbacks that were mentioned this for this award. We don't like Ohio State, but Harrison Jr., Marvin Harrison Jr., is an example of what we've been talking about, which is it's a wide receiver. It's a little bit of an unorthodox type Heisman campaign, Heisman candidacy. And while I don't like the Buckeyes, I am in favor of these sorts of things. Now, let me say one more thing about this, and then we'll get ready to move on to something different here. I have said a lot of things over the course of a long number of years doing this show that have been proven to be horribly laughably wrong i don't know that i've ever been more wrong about anything 
than I have been about Jane Daniels. My beginning of the year pick was that LSU would make the college football playoff if they would move off of Daniels and move on to Garrett Nussmeyer. Now, I don't say that to be like faux humble or anything like that. I say this in true, authentic, genuine humility. This just goes to show you that college football's ability to surprise us ought to leave us marvel. It ought to leave us in wonder. And you can laugh at me and drag up my old stuff if you want to. I really don't. I mean, you have every right to do that because when I, when you get one wrong, you ought to, you know, there there ought to be some stakes to the game here, right? It's not just throw something against the wall and hope that it sticks. If you get something wrong, you ought to take a little bit of grief, a little bit of heat for that. So for people who want to drag out my old Jay nail stuff, I think you're well within your rights to do so. Um, just sort of keeps me honest, which is always probably a pretty good thing. But I was unbelievably wrong on Jay Nails. I didn't think he was very good. And he went on to have a season that's a lot closer to the Joe Burrow year in 2019 than perhaps you realize, especially when you factor in his productivity as a running as a runner there as well. This is an amazing thing that college football can just surprise us in so many ways. And while other people thought Daniels was better than I did, they're less wrong than I was. I don't know that anybody thought he was capable of having this kind of year. So an amazing season for what seemed to be a pretty good dude. Uh, obviously, congratulations to Jaden Daniels on winning the Heisman Trophy. Very quickly here, a couple of other things. First of all, there's this. We are not only watching to see from Georgia who leaves via the transfer portal and maybe who Georgia brings in, we're also watching to see who high-profile transfer portal guys, where they visit. We have a couple of examples of that from over the weekend. LT Overton, who you know is a former Georgia recruiting target, reclassified as a defensive lineman, went to uh, Texas A&M, and now he's transferring. Overton reportedly visited South Carolina here this weekend, so that's worth paying attention to as – the early chatter here is not Georgia on over and it's more of a South Carolina more of an Alabama uh maybe NIL being an issue there as it relates to Overton same thing for Walter Nolan who I think reportedly visited Oregon here this weekend too I know Tennessee's thought to be a factor here maybe Michigan becomes a little bit of a factor there for uh Nolan there as well but Georgia needs the impact elite defensive lineman and right now Nolan and Overton spent their first weekend's on the uh, transfer portal here visiting elsewhere other than UGA so pay attention to that to see if anything changed on that front but for now it looks like there's some early teams getting in on the mix of uh, these two guys uh, other than Georgia worth paying attention to and obviously today tomorrow and Wednesday you got state championship games taking place in Mercedes-Benz Stadium so we'll probably spend a couple of minutes here highlighting some of these games here including today couple of games that have georgia interest here first of all at 4 p.m today you've got prince avenue this is the this is the single a division one state championship prince avenue christian against swainsboro swainsboro's demello jones that's a uga commit so if you want to watch that today demello jones georgia commit in action they are against the prince avenue team a lot of you know this some of you may not so greg vandergriff brock vandergriff's father is the head coach there at prince avenue and they've really picked up right where they left off when brock left kind of a record-setting offense brock putting up big numbers you know it's been aaron philo the last few years philo's on his way to georgia tech obviously to uh, work with buster faulkner there but greg vandergriff is the uh, coach at prince so big single a division one state championship between prince and swainsboro demello jones the uga commit going up against the athens area school and prince avenue christian and then manchester versus bowden is the single a division two state championship for today and man how incredibly sad um i don't know a ton about this story other than that it's apparently true a player for manchester named brandon smith who's a lineman plays both offensive and defensive line i I believe was found dead in the last 24 hours prior to this game 
Uh, I believe there's an investigation ongoing as to what happened here. I don't have any information to give you there on that other than as a terrible tragedy for a team like Manchester on what should be the, 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 the happiest moment of their year. Just incredibly sad. There's been so much sadness related to high school sports here. I know our friends in Gainesville have gone through a terrible tragedy. It relates to one of their baseball players. And now you find this out about Brandon Smith. It's just unbelievable sadness uh, for the folks in Manchester. So for anybody kind of down there in that part of the state, we do send you authentic, sincere prayers. Just so, so sorry that this is going on as uh, Manchester gets ready to play for state championship. Incredibly sad. Uh, Obviously confusing in terms of the details and all of this. If we find out more information, we'll certainly give it to you. As far as what's going to happen on the field, obviously Justice Terry is a Manchester player and a Georgia commit. This is a guy that you're going to love in the class of 2025. Very impressive defensive lineman against a Bowden team that can really score a lot of points here. Um, So a couple of chances to see some Georgia commits, DeMello Jones and Justice Terry. That ought to be a uh, a lot of fun. But obviously prayers to our friends in Manchester for the incredible sadness of the loss of life for one of their players here uh and kind of unknown circumstances prior to this game so tough stuff there but it is nice to have the state championships back in mercedes-benz stadium today tuesday and wednesday that ought to be a lot of fun before we wrap up things here today let me also give a shout out to our friends at dr pepper of course it wasn't that long ago we're all in mercedes-benz stadium for the sec championship and of course there that means plenty of dr pepper to enjoy and something we're always very happy about because we love the connection that Dr. Pepper has to college football. The Fansville commercials, the halftime shows during the conference championship game with the with the scholarship opportunity and the throwing the football. And by the way, the winner using the overhand traditional throw in the SEC championship this year. Traditionalists all rejoice at that. But as you're heading towards bowl season and the dogs heading down to Miami and everything else, make Dr. Pepper a big part of that experience for you or a big part of your holiday season overall because it truly is the one fans deserve, the rich, one-of-a-kind flavor of Dr. Pepper, whether it be the strawberries and cream, the Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar, uh, the Diet Dr. Pepper, which I love, or just the regular Dr. Pepper, which is also delicious there as well. Actually, yesterday I had some regular Dr. Pepper. We were celebrating my son's birthday. He turned 12 today, by the way. Happy birthday to, to him. And for a little, we always have like pizza and cookie cake. And I decided in honor of that, I'd bring out the regular Dr. Pepper and had the fully leaded Dr. Pepper. That was delicious. Let me just tell you that. Uh, anyway, Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve, makes you enjoy some here this holiday season as we head towards bowl season. Good to have Dr. Pepper here on Dog Nation Daily each and every week there as well. All right, so as we wrap up, you know, I think one of the things that a lot of folks were trying to do this weekend was figure out how you occupy your time in sort of the first weekend without Georgia football. A lot of Army-Navy, a lot of Heisman Trophy ceremony, some college basketball, uh, some stuff like that, a little bit of NFL, I guess, this weekend there too. And maybe it's a time to enjoy some of your hobbies and your pastimes there as well. In fact, we'll give out a golden shoe in relationship to that here today. Uh, Merriweather Dog sent this to us on Twitter that he caught uh, Blackberry Rose 500 feet down off Key Largo. And then Miss Bodog was uh, cooking it with her batter. Uh, healing food, he says. That looks good. A little fish fry like that with some fresh uh, caught fish off Key Largo. Boy, I'm telling you, some of y'all are just living the good life. Down there in Key Largo, uh, fishing and stuff like that. That's a good way to spend the first weekend without Georgia football, indeed. Bodog, thanks for sharing that. We will give you a golden shoe for that. By the way, speaking of the state of Florida, fun fishing down there, but not fun college football. It's been 1,129 days since the lousy, stinking Gators have beaten Georgia. We love that number. We watch it to keep on climbing. And we'll see all of you back here tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia.